ready, ready to hear the word. Let me see. Amen. Hold your Bibles up real high. Repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. Come on, say it with conviction. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. And as we take the time and as some have pressed their way here to hear your word, I thank you, Father, that their lives will be transformed for the better, that strongholds will come down. Clarity of thought will take place. And Father, direction for their lives will be more clearer. And so as I have decreased, I thank you for the anointing of God increasing to feed every person in this room the spiritual manna of your word. And when we leave today, not only will we have direction, but Father, we will have a greater conviction of how good a God you are. Bless us as we partake of your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. For the next few weeks, uh, the teaching series is called Getting Your Life Together. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you need to get your life together. Now look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, you said that to me last week. Last week, we talked about getting closer to God. And I had an encounter. Everybody say encounter. See, we learn by getting closer to God, we must have consistent encounters with him. And I had an encounter with God this week. Uh, Heaven had misplaced her iPhone. And those iPhones cost too much to be misplacing. And so we looked all over the place, couldn't find the phone. And uh, I'm looking in my car, and uh, I had spent some time with God that morning. And uh, I didn't even ask the Lord where the phone was. He had an encounter. He said, Evan, the cell phone is in heaven's soccer bag. Now, you can't be more specific than that. How many know I stopped looking in my car? Stopped looking, went right up to the room, went to her soccer bag, and guess what was in the soccer bag? The cell phone. Because I took the time to have an encounter with God. And so we are talking about getting closer to God, having encounters with God. But today I want to talk about the subject of from flesh to faith. Everybody say from flesh to faith. And the core of today's message is to help us discover not only the advantage of moving and living by faith, 
but also helping us see and identify when we're walking in the flesh. Because many times people don't realize they're walking in the flesh. And when you're walking in the flesh, then you're not walking in faith. And so one of the keys is to help us live and think consistently by faith instead of living and thinking consistently by the flesh. And so at the end, hopefully today's message and teaching is going to help you uh, attract more of God's promises for your life. So I I want you to find two verses of scripture. I want you to find Galatians chapter 6, and then I want you to find, I'm changing my my notes, uh, Hebrews, no, Galatians chapter 6, and then I want you to find Jeremiah chapter 17. Galatians chapter 6, and then Jeremiah chapter 17. My wife wanted me to alter the message a little bit, so I'm going to see if I can do that. So if I stumble, it's her fault, okay? Galatians chapter 6, and I believe a message like this is important because many believers vacillate between walking by faith and walking by their flesh. And I'm going to explain to you that walking by the flesh is just a way of thinking. That's all it is. It's it's not something that you do because, see, what you do is a result of how you think. And so many times, believers vacillate. We believe God one moment, and then over here we start thinking uh, or coming up with alternatives. And But how many of you, you know, God don't need your help for you for him to bless you. He just needs your obedience and your cooperation. In Galatians chapter 6, if you're there, say I'm there. I'm going to start in verse 8. And here's the point that I want you to write down. There are two ways we can live our lives. We can live our lives by the flesh or we can live our lives by faith. I'm going to say that again. There are two ways we can live our lives. The first way was what, class? By the flesh, and what was number two? Or by faith. In Galatians chapter 6, starting verse 7, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Watch this now. For he that sows to his, what class? To his flesh. He who sows in a fleshly way of thinking then of the flesh is going to reap what? Corruption. Everybody say corruption. But he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap what? Life everlasting. Watch this now. And let us not be weary in well-doing. See, what he's saying here is you have to be careful about how you sow. You can sow to the flesh or you can sow to the spirit. He say, but either way, whatever you sow, you're going to reap from. If you sow from the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit or God's way of doing things, then you're going to reap, you're going to reap life. And sometimes this is why I believe he kept going. He says, and let us not be weary in well doing for in due season, we will reap if we faint not. I believe believers start fainting when it comes to doing what's right. And that's why 
He says, be not weary in doing that. Because if you get weary while doing what's right or walking by the Spirit or living my faith, if you get weary in doing that, you automatically default over to the flesh side. And if you default over to the flesh side, you're going to eventually reap corruption. You say, well, Pastor, what are you talking about? Okay, let's say, for instance, you believe in God to get married. That's a promise. But then you can't wait on God to bring the person. So instead of staying in faith, believing that God's going to give you the desires of your heart, you start watching too many commercials about all these different Internet sites that you can meet people. So you go, you know, you dab in, dab in, dab in. And then next thing you know, you meet some guy and he's supposed to be a Christian, but he ain't been to church in six months. Mm-hmm. And, and the things that you thought he believed or should believe, he doesn't believe. And so you start compromising because you got weary in what was right. He says... But don't do that because if you faint not, due season is on the way. So another way of saying this is you can live your life God's way or you can live your life your way. Amen. Now, let me say this to you. Here's my opinion. Everybody say his opinion. Normally, I don't give my opinion, but I'm going to give it this morning. Here's my opinion. My opinion is most people never taste God at the next level. And when you don't taste God at the next level, you forfeit the provision and the experience that he had for you. In other words, you know, write this down. Psalm 34, 8 says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. But it goes on to say, blessed is the man that trusts in him. So write this down. I can't taste God. Until I trust God. You cannot trust God or taste God at the next level until you trust God at the next level. And the only way to trust God at the next level is for you to stay in faith. Amen. Here's a take home statement I want you to write down. It is difficult to value what you have not visited. See, once God has done something for you, can't nobody take that experience away from you. It's too late to tell me God doesn't heal because I've gotten healed before. It's too late to say that God won't provide because he's provided before. It's too late for you to tell me tithing don't work because I've been doing it for 25 years and I've seen it work. But it doesn't work for a lot of believers because they have gotten weary in doing it. And then they let the devil talk to them. Amen. Now, here is what the flesh is. The flesh is just leaning unto your own understanding. The flesh is trusting in your plans. The flesh is having it your way. The flesh is just saying, you know what, I know God wants me to wait, but... But I, I think there's a better way. And anytime you do that, go to Jeremiah 17. I told you to go to Jeremiah 17. Anytime you think your way becomes better than God, you're going to end up with corruption because that's, that's what it ends up being. 
Amen. And, and, you, and you can't get weary in well-doing. See, goodness pays off. I know it doesn't look like it does. You know, the, I, even the saying in the world, they say, good guys finish what? Good guys finish last. What kind of blaspheme is that? Good guys finish last. I mean, Jesus didn't finish last. The Bible says now he's sitting at the right hand of God. Okay, so the, the, just the world's way of thinking. Girl, don't let them cuss you out like that. And so you've been so nice. I'm talking to somebody right now. You've been so nice at work, trying to be a, trying to be a good Christian. Good morning. And you know they're talking about you like a dog, just talking about you. And, and you got to, you know, because you got the devil here, which is one of your friends. And the Holy Spirit in here saying, don't listen to your friend. Your friend tell them, cuss them out. Girl, that's, that's all they need. You know, some people just don't act right unless you just just cuss them completely. Just go off on them just one time. Show them you got a little something about yourself and they'll leave you alone. How many know that's flesh? Oh, that's flesh right there. Jeremiah chapter 17, look at verse 5. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man that trusts in who? I'm going to say that differently. I'm going to say cursed be the man that trusts in himself. And make flesh his what? Arm. Whose heart departs from the Lord. Now, now, this is saying a person who trusts in the flesh, who trusts in the man-made uh, of doing things, or who trusts in their own strategies, it says in verse 6, he will be like heat in the desert and shall not see when good comes. But shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness. But verse 7 says, But blessed is the man that trusts in who? The Lord. And whose hope the Lord is. Verse 8. For he shall be as a tree planted by the rivers, by the waters, and spread out her roots by the river, and shall not even see when the heat comes. Her leaf will always be green. And shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. God said, listen. If you walk in the flesh, eventually things are going to dry up. But if you walk in faith, if you do it my way. He said, it'll always be green. And I don't know about you. I want to always be prospering. Regardless of what the economy says. Amen. So here's the question. How do I transition from walking in the flesh, thinking in the flesh, to walking by faith? I'm glad you asked me. Go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3. We just read there that it says, "Trust, Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5, the first word in that verse is trust. Everybody say trust. But then it tells us who to trust in. It says trust in who? In the Lord with what? How much? With all of your heart. Okay, watch this now. If I'm not trusting God with all of my heart, then some is flesh. I'm going to say it again. If I'm supposed to trust God with all of my heart, 
then any piece of my heart that's not trusting God is flesh. And we know the end result of flesh is what? Corruption. Everybody say corruption. So what I have to do is train myself now to stay spiritually minded. And he says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean a lot. Come on, class. And lean a not, lean not unto your own what? In other words, he's saying, listen, even though you don't understand how God's going to do it, you just need to believe that he's going to do it. Because if you could understand how he would do it, maybe you would be God in the universe doing it. And I believe that many people try to figure God out, how to figure out how he's going to do it. And that's what messes their trust level up with him. Because God can use any way and any person and anybody to do something. And so what we end up doing is having what I call the Abraham syndrome. Go to Romans chapter 4. Go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Abraham was the father of faith. And God made him a promise that he was going to have a lot of kids. But when he made Abraham that promise, Abraham was around 90 years old, I think. Can you imagine trying to have a kid at 90? I mean, I struggled and I was trying to have one at 45. So I can't imagine what Abraham was going through. But here's the thing. In Romans chapter 4, I'm going to start in verse 17. Abraham never staggered at the promise that God made him. But Abraham staggered at the process though. Because the, watch this now, the promise and the process is different. God promised him you're going to be the father of many nations. That's a promise. But Abraham staggered at the process because that's why he ended up sleeping with his handmaiden because he didn't think that God could have a baby through his wife. And that's what happens with us many times. God makes us a promise, but then we stagger at the process. He makes us a promise. Yeah, you're going to get married. But we stumble at the process and so we start, watch this there, dating people that's not even saved. You are staggering at the process. You say, well, pastor, uh, there are not enough men here. I heard someone say that one time, and I just wanted to go up to them and thump them. <laughs> you mean to tell me that the God of this universe, who made a promise in Genesis that we should be fruitful and multiply. You mean to tell me he ain't made enough men for you to do that? Somebody's lying. I mean, no, 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 no. you're staggering in the process. And, and let me tell you how you know you stagger when you start lowering your standards. I'm talking to somebody right now. You start lowering your standard because you're staggering. There are not enough men. There are not enough saved men. No men with, men with no jobs. Women without no kids. Mm-hmm. Touch your neighbor. Say, neighbor, he coming down your street in a minute. <laughs> Romans 4.17. 
It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations before him who believe. Even God who quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. Notice how God talks. God talks. He calls things that be not as though they were. Who against hope, talking about Abraham, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Verse 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years, years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Watch verse 20. Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, God was also able to perform. You don't have to help God. All you have to do is obey God. And what I'm trying to address this morning is us making a decision to stop staggering between the flesh and faith. If God said it, then stand on what God said. That if people say, well, if God said it, that sells it. No, if God said it, you need to sell it. Because, see, it's all based on us. And so Abraham staggered not at the promise, but he staggered at the process. Here it is. God's promised you increase. And you say, you believe in God for a new job. And you're frustrated on your current job. And you just bust up and quit that job before you even get a new job. You staggered at the process. Because, you know, and some people say, well, God told me to quit. Well, then that means that God going to pay every bill you got until you get another one then. You can't get so frustrated. See, here's the thing. There is no money without a test. So when a test comes, you just need to stay in faith and then file it under the testimony category. See, that's what happened. Do you know David carried the head of Goliath around for a long time? He carried the head, that stinky, he cut the man's head off, and he walked around with it for a while. I'm sure that head was stinky. And people be like, man, but I'll tell you what, they wouldn't mess with him. <laughs> I believe David, David carried that head to remind him that I killed a giant. That's nothing but your past testimony. Hey, I saw God do this in my life. He came through. He made a way when nobody could make a way. I know it was God. And you filed it as a testimony. But if you cheat your way through by calling your mama or crying to your girlfriend or... Better yet, you just bust out and go into the store and steal. I'm just going to steal this. I need it. No, 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 no. You got to stick with the process. And in order to spiritually live, we must be willing to spiritually release our will. See, God can't work unless you let him. People say, well, why is God, why is all bad things happening in the world? Well, can I tell you a secret? God ain't in control of this world. Ooh. God ain't in control. 
said, well, what do you mean by that? I didn't say he didn't own the world. I said he wasn't in control of it. Because if he was in control of this, we, we wouldn't be in this mess. No, no, no. When he made the world, you know who he gave control to? He gave it to man. He said, here, now here's how I want you to run this. But you know what? Man messed it up. And so now, God can only do what we allow him to do. God can't make you come to church. But you have to will to come to church. The only thing that God fights with us is our will. That's the biggest thing that, has, that he has challenges with. So let's look at this. Go to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians 2. And then I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to show you the, the secrets here to how to stay in faith and not vacillate in the flesh. Galatians chapter 2. Verse 20. Galatians 2.20. It says, I am crucified with who? Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Watch this now. Yet it's not I, but who? Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I'm living how? By faith. So he said, you know what? My flesh is submitted to my faith. And then he goes on to say, who loved me and gave himself for me. So I choose to live by faith when I choose to do it God's way. And I found a shortcut to success. I am 46 years old. It took me 46 years to figure this out, but I got it. How many would like to know the shortcut to success. Let me see your hand. See, I used to preach, ain't no shortcut to success. Ain't no, you, you, you got to work hard. I found, the, I found the shortcut. You want me to tell you what the shortcut to success is? Yeah. Obedience. Amen. Wow, thank you, Pastor, for that revelation. Thank you. Yes. No, obedience is the shortcut to success. Because have God ever told you to do something and you didn't do it? And then you went around the wilderness for 40 years and then come around and you still had to do what he told you to do anyway? Ask Jonah. He told Jonah, Jonah, go preach to those people. Jonah said, no, I'm not going. Jonah got on a boat, went somewhere else, went, went it actually in the opposite direction of what God told him to go. Ended up being swallowed up by a fish. Can you imagine being inside of a big fish? Then ended up getting, and it wasn't until Jonah said, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll do what you said. Well, he should have just did that. The shortcut to success is obedience. Amen. So let me give you now four things that you can do to move you from the flesh to living in faith consistently. Here's the first one, a promise. Everybody say a promise. Let's take Abraham. God made Abraham a promise. He says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you with many children. And the Bible says, Abraham believed God. So that was a promise that God made. And God has made us many promises. He's made us a promise that he would never leave us nor forsake us. So why are you feeling lonely? He made us a promise that he will meet all of our need according to your, his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So why are you struggling? 
He made us a promise. He said, if I'm for you, who can be against you? So why are you so worried about who's talking about you and trying to kick you off your job? He's made a promise. He said, if, uh, be fruitful and multiply. So why are you struggling with having another kid when all you got to do is just believe the promise? So God's made us a promise. But then after God makes you a promise, the next thing you need to do is get a picture. That's what he did to Abraham. He took Abraham. He said, Abraham, look at the stars. Can you count them? Abraham said, no. He said, well, that's how many kids you're going to have. That's what you're going to do. He said, now, count the sands of the sea. He took him to the beach. God, God ain't anti-beach. So if you want to go to the beach, go to the beach. Some of y'all will get that who grew up Kojic. Some people couldn't even, some people thought it was a sin to go to the movies. Come on, who? Mm-hmm. Sin to wear pants. But if that's the case, Jesus didn't wear pants. He wore a robe. So what are we supposed to do, walk around in our bath robes or something? He got a picture. Here's his picture. Man, every time he looked up at the stars, it reminded him of all his kids. Every time he saw the sands of the sea, he reminded him of his kids. So now when God makes you a promise, whether it's to be married, whatever the promise is, get a picture of the promise. Get a picture of it. Listen, before I had bling, I had fling. Yes, I did. And even though I had to trade it in multiple times because it turned colors, the fling was my picture of bling. So he had a picture. But then the third thing that most people don't do is you got to have a profession, which means a confession. Let me show it to you with Abraham. God changed Abraham's name from Abram to Abraham so that every time Abraham told somebody his name or somebody called Abraham, it, all he heard was, you are a father of many nations. Here he was, 99 years old, no kids. And they said, well, what's your name? Abraham, I'm the father of many nations because that's what the word Abraham means. So can you imagine he could have slipped on the flesh side and said, What's your name, Abram? He went back. No, no, no. He stuck with Abraham because that was a profession. What is your confession? What are you saying about what God wants for you? Because if you're saying the opposite of what God wants for you, then what God wants for you is not going to automatically happen. So when you open your mouth up, what do the angels have to work with? I wonder if I took a silent survey of you at work, what would people say about you? They always complaining, always negative. Or would they say, you know, regardless of what, I can't tell when they're having a bad day. Because, see, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy anyway. And if I know he's going to work it together for my good, it don't matter what kind of mess I'm in. That mess is going to have to turn into a blessing. 
So Abraham started professing. Even when his wife called his name, she was prophesying that he was going to be a father of many nations. And so after you get a promise and after you get a picture and after you start professing that, you have to be persistent. You have to have a I'm not going to give up attitude. It says, be not weary in well-doing because due season's going to come and you're going to reap. My question to you is, why are you quitting so early? God's promised you, you married the right man, and here it is, he's not acting like he's the right man. Well, why are you giving up on your relationship instead of hanging on to the promise and starting now to profess, Father, I thank you that I have a man in my life who loves you like Christ loves the church. Thank you, Lord, that my wife is a virtuous woman, that she does my heart good. She supports me in all my ways. She's in help me, and I need nothing but her. Why can't that be your confession instead of my wife is so lazy? She can't cook worth a dime. Well, that's probably why. You, look at your neighbor and say, you have to be persistent. Look at him again and say, you got to be persistent. You, you know how many no's I've gotten in my life? If I, see, some of y'all are counting the no's. I'm not counting the no's. I'm waiting for the yes. Because if God be for me, who can be against me? So if you're saying no, you're the wrong person. Oh, oh, okay, you're not the right person. Oh. I'm going to ask him if he, say, if he say no. Oh, he's not the right person. Anyway. And let me tell you something. If I was a devil, I'd say no too. But it says resist the devil. And he will what? You got to resist that no. Amen. And then the last thing is possession. This is number five. I said four things, but number five is possession because possession is your proof that walking by faith works. So the next time you have an opportunity or a challenge, you can go back into the library of your testimonies and see and say, I saw God did it last time. He's going to do it again. You'll be able to go to, your, to, to, the, to the, the, the file cabinet of your dreams and go, well, uh, they said I wouldn't amount to this, but this is where I am today. So the key to leaving the flesh behind and consistently walking by faith is trust. Trust. Let me tell you why. So you can trust people at different levels. I can trust you with, my, with a dollar. You say, can I borrow a dollar, Pastor, and I'll give you a dollar, but I might not trust you with my car. And that's where many of us are with God. We've trusted him at the level we're at. And he's saying, I need you to now trust me for the next level. And how do you know when you trust somebody? When you believe what they say to you. So what is God saying to you? What's your next level? Your next level may be graduating from school. And you may be a single mom. And you may not have any money, but he told you to go to school. That may be your dream. Your dream may be to own your own business. 
If that's your dream, then that's what God is. He sees you owning. Do you see you owning the business? Or do you see you working for somebody all your life? Maybe your dream is to be, is to pass grades. You know, because I graduated. Thank you, Lottie. Wasn't no cum Lottie. Thank you, Lottie, that I got up out of this joint. No, I really was kind of smart, though. I really was. No, I, I graduated from college. Cum Lottie. Or was it magna cum laude? Which one is the, the big one? Cum laude? I graduated cum laude. Yeah. But you know what? I didn't start doing good till I got saved. Yeah. When I wasn't saved, I made C's, D's, and uh, in some cases I had to drop some classes. You know, you drop them right before they give you an F. You drop them. <laughs> you know, how many had to drop some classes? Let me see. Mm, yeah, yeah, I ain't by myself. I had to drop some classes. I sure did. But I got saved and the Holy Spirit taught me how to study. He said, if you'll just study, I'll, I'll bring it back to your remembrance. And so while I'm sitting there taking the test and I didn't know the answer to something, I'd be speaking in tongues to myself. And then I'd circle what I didn't know. And then I'd come back to it and say, Lord, what's the answer to that question? And, he, and then I'd listen for the answer and I'd mark the answer. And then when I got my paper back, the ones that I asked the Lord... I got those right. The ones that I didn't ask the Lord, I didn't get right. <laughs> you would think I would ask the Lord about all the answers, wouldn't you? <laughs> Everybody say a promise, a, promise. a picture, a, a profession, okay. and persistence. persistence. That's what you need. When you leave today, you're going to have to make a decision. I'm not walking in the flesh no more. You're not worth me cussing you out. You're not worth me getting depressed. You're not, this job is not worth me getting so frustrated I'm going to quit. I'm going to wait because if I, watch this. It says due season will come if I don't faint. And I believe there are some people here today that God wants you to move up to the next level of trust in your life in him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you may be here today. And God wants you to change trust levels.